The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny, Sestina, and company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan. Joining me on today's show is John Sestina, former certified financial planner. Yeah, but I'm a- emeritus alumni. now. Yeah, alumni or something. Alumni. Retired. <laughs> Jared Locke, future financial certified financial planner, mm-hmm. studying to be a certified financial planner. Uh, today's show, we're very excited. Should be a good show. Will be a good show. We're going to talk a little bit about special needs, maybe Social Security, Medicaid, and so forth. Uh, John, the last two shows uh, you did, I'm a little envious. I was locked into seminars at the time, but uh-huh. uh, great topics. Talked about inflation, talked about wage increase. Um how would you describe the current state of the economy? Well, we're approaching, well, may be there. You know, when I was a young buck like you guys starting out, it was Jimmy Carter was president. And we're kind of walking into another Jimmy Carter time, but a little more shaky. Okay. Because this time we're not only being crazy about our own economy, but we're being lazy about our uh, allies. And such enemies, as such as Israel, we're not okay. supporting Israel the way we should, and uh, the other things that are going. China, we're letting China run roughshod, and of course we're helping Russia with their new pipeline, mm-hmm. even though we can't have a pipeline. So yeah. those are all shaky because they are larger than us, which can cause more impact. Okay, you you know the show you talked about a lot about inflation. Uh, we are at the point where. The inflationary numbers are at the supply chain side, the material side. There's a lot of argument and debate going on about the wages that wages need to pick up. And I I am a believer it should pick up. It will pick up accordingly. Um, But using the federal unemployment as a means to say it's necessary, I have a little bit of a problem with it. Because I think through organically, through... The supply and demand, what we're seeing, people are not working. So employers are going to have to increase wages. But I don't think we're there yet. No, it's an amazing thing. The government always decides that they know better. And so during Carter's term and some others, they put these uh, blocks or locks or guarantees and so on and so forth. So they stop the system from operating. And so it makes it worse on the little guy. The big guy is going to survive no matter what happens because he's got millions of dollars mm-hmm. so he can get through that but the little guy who's depending on his job i heard uh, a guy talk today he was a pipe fitter was working on the pipeline what was it the k whatever it was the keystone pipeline keystone pipeline yep. and of course he's been out of work for 100 days so to get a job <clears throat> he had to go a thousand miles and he had to take another test and he got a job for four weeks that's what the government is doing to our employees. Mm-hmm. And so instead of having the the free flow of capitalism, we have the awful oppression of, well, looks like socialism to me. Okay. Jared, any thoughts on the 
wages and unemployment and inflation? Uh, I mean, my, my thought on it is that kind of uh, similar to yours, that wages do have to increase. Uh, part of me can't really blame people that maybe they've got kids, can't afford child care, so they stay at home, they stay on unemployment. There's that aspect of it. But I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are also taking advantage of the system. Um, in, the, in the end, though, I, I do think that wages do need to hike up a little bit so that people can at least afford to live on, on a 40-hour work week's pay. Sure. And that, and that, it all trickles down, right? It starts with housing. It starts with uh, cost of living. And these, as what we're seeing is rampant inflation. And um, I'm, I'm, con- I'm very concerned at the responses I'm seeing from Jerome Powell and Janet Yelling, Yellen, how it's almost like they're ignoring the reality of inflation that is already in full effect. Yeah. And I, I see it firsthand. I go to the grocery store, and the reason I like to actually shop at the grocery store, John, you might think it's a little odd, but here I am. Uh, I look at the prices. I was a food buyer for Hilton Hotels, mm-hmm. and I bought food for it. So I was always locked <clears throat> in, especially in the summer months. If there were droughts, we were worried about corn prices. I was always worried about volatility. Um, so we timed our, our purchasing so I see it, and and pre-pandemic to now, I'm seeing a 20% swing in prices. Oh yeah, and the government's out there saying, oh, it's five percent or four percent. It is not. I think it's a flout out, for lack of a better term, a lie that they're trying to say that we're not inflation is not that heavy. I think it's very understated, and I think people need to really pay attention to what the inflation really is. Just go out to dinner. Go out to dinner, look at what you normally used to pay versus what you're paying now. It's a significant difference. And that's yeah. what inflation is. It wouldn't be good for me to go out and grocery shop, Stephen, <laughs> because I would be in a limited aisle. I'd be in right. a chocolate aisle. Peanuts. Peanuts. That would be good. Right. And so I'd base everything on those two commodities. Right. <laughs> but, right. Yeah. But you're so right. And and what's what what's in everything you're saying is the fact that Americans are uninformed. It's hard to say and hard to believe in an era where we have all this information all about us, the Internet, the the radios, the TVs, the, all this stuff, and people still don't know what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we're suffering. So they're going to be hit like a truck because all of a sudden it's going to hit them and say, why did this happen? Where did this come from? Right. Well, it's what you're saying. You're pointing it out, and they need to be more sensitive. Right. And and what we're, see- we're seeing now is the inflation on the material side. Yep. And, Jared, to your point, what's coming next is the inflation on the uh, in- income side. Mm-hmm. But it, it is going to be all relative because it ends up being the consumer is going to inherit that inflation as well. And then will that consumer have enough money to buy the goods? So we're seeing a compounded effect. And I could see 12, two years from now that, more people won't be spending money on these discretionary items because it'll be far too expensive. Mm-hmm. And and I think our, our economy is a little disjointed at this point in time with oh. the supply chain, with the the economy, wages, and inflation. Well, when the day comes, they have to go get a new mortgage and the rates will finally go up. I've told this story before, but Bobby and I on our first home, we received a mortgage at 13.5%. And people were so excited about that rate at the time, it was low, and there were people standing outside the closing area to see who got the loan. Yeah. And that's coming. It is coming. Yeah. And and that's why I'm, I, for the people, there's a housing purchase frenzy going on in this country, not just in Ohio. It is happening across the country, and people are overpaying. Yep. And you better, if you're going through this home purchase process or may have done it in the last 12 months, 
you better be prepared to be in that home for 10 plus years. Oh, absolutely. Because right? you buy at the high, and then when you go to sell, you're going to have to be in a trough. Correct. And, and or it'll be a lateral move, but then what will interest rates be when you move and you may end up having a higher mortgage payment. So I, I'm a little concerned for people buying out of knee-jerk reaction, or maybe they feel they have discretionary money to spend on housing. I just am very concerned when we start to get out of this um, economic environment of stimulus money, people not people were not allocating their money normally in the last 12 months during the pandemic because you didn't you couldn't go anywhere mm -hmm. you could you didn't get in the car you didn't go out to dinner because restaurants were closed now we're seeing all these things open up and it's going to shift and then you better have enough money to fulfill that mortgage payment but as as things shift it's gonna i think it'll be interesting to see but you i think people are going to be stuck in their houses for a while they're making short-term decisions based on uh, short-term circumstances that's always bad in the investment market the housing market whatever it is but that's what we are. We re, we are reflex beings. Yeah, and we may see the situation where sometimes assumed mortgages come into play. Houses are going to be underwater, uh, and the only way people will be able to get out is either through foreclosure or assumed mortgage. Sell your mortgage for whatever's left on the value of it. And conventional mortgages are not assumable, but some others are. And we'll probably have shows discussing that topic. Well, we're coming up on another break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about taxes and uh, things about managing to be wealthy. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan. Today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about everything. First segment, a little bit about inflation, the, the economy, uh, John, it is tax season, but before we get into our taxes uh, or tax uh, review, a couple weeks ago, there was a little bit of a issue with the Colonial Pipeline yeah, and what happened there. a little interruption. <laughs> and boy, that was, you think about how, again, back in this, to the 70s, right, the gas shortages, that was in the 70s or 80s. I think it was late 70s, mm -hmm. early 80s. Yep, yep. Um, a lot of America, a region of America saw that in the last couple of weeks and have a friend who lives in Charlotte and he says he's been locked in his house because you're afraid to drive your car because yeah, you, you want to make sure right, want to make sure you have enough gas. But what is interesting is uh, the events surrounding the Colonial Pipeline uh, shutdown was that it was hacked. And now it's come out that these hackers received $90 million in Bitcoin. Yeah. A bit of a payoff. <laughs> and then, then still the shutdown still had to happen. Right. Um, I just thought that was amazing that when they had to pay it, I guess you're at ransom. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not smart enough in IT to say why you have to pay it. I guess they had a control of it. But I'm thinking, is this part of the reason why I'm not so sold on cryptocurrency? Well, because it just dropped to a rock this week. Well, that too. <laughs> but but if cryptocurrency is going to be the ransom um, device or leverage that these uh, burglars are going to do, it may become an, uh, a band or a regulated scenario. I don't know what style of music they play, though, Stephen. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I'm just curious that if the government's going to say, if they're going to ask for cryptocurrency as payment, 
maybe that's a reason not to allow it. If, if, if all these hackers are out there using cryptocurrency as a means of ransom. Uh, would not versus allow it dollars. By, who the company not allow it? Just banning cryptocurrency as governments. India and China oh, are talking about saying. it. Okay. Yeah, India and China are saying they're going to uh, eliminate the ownership of cryptocurrency. It'll be a black market thing, as what it was originally founded as. Right, it was. I don't know that that it's got such momentum now. I think it'd be pretty hard in the United States to stop it to overcome it. There's yeah. too many believers, I think, to okay. really have it dropped to nothing. I mean, there are people who believe in ghosts. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah. They don't believe in anything. So. Yeah. All right. So I just thought that was uh, an interesting story that they had to pay $90 million in bit Bitcoin um, and still had to shut down the pipeline. Mm -hmm. uh, and not, they, not the, a good day. The, the guys who got the $90 million didn't get anything. Right. I mean, they got the $90 million, but then the value slipped immediately. Yeah. So it was that discount. Yeah. So, so uh, it is tax week. John, you file your taxes or you file your extension? Taxes. You're really trying to punish me, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, it's a rough day. It's a nice sunny day. Usually it's April. Yesterday. Oh, man. But now they had tax season in May. June 15th. June, okay. Wasn't it? So. I don't know. See, I'm blurry. <laughs> I also have my property taxes. So right. I'm, you know, I'm overwhelmed. Yes. So this past Monday was, was tax season. So yeah. tax deadline day. Uh, somebody who completed their tax return, what should they do? Step number one. File it. And then what, dust it, put it in a filing cabinet? What do you think, Jared? <laughs> I mean, if you have a financial planner that uh, offers to store that for you, I think you send it to them. Right. Have them review it. Right. Uh, if you don't, I think you got to have that somewhere secure. Uh, make sure that, that that information isn't getting out to somebody else that uh, tries to get it. Yeah. Number one thing I'm, I'm sort of shocked at is I ask a lot of times, did you review this with your accountant? And they do not. They do not. 99.9% .9 of the time they do not. Not that the accountant's wrong, but it's about understanding where the numbers come from, where where they are originated, uh, reviewed many tax returns. And first question I asked, did you review this with your accountant? Did not. And that is the first thing to go through is just review it. See where the numbers originated from. See if there's anything you can do now in 2021 to maybe reduce your tax liability. It's the best place to learn how to reduce your taxes next year. So everyone should be reviewing their tax return. If you have small enough income, and today, well, I don't know after the law changes, but for now, you can do your tax return, you know, using uh, the, the software that's available. Mm -hmm. And as you do your tax return, you get to learn what's on it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important. Get involved in your life, your financial life. And review, viewing your tax return is the first place to start. Yeah. That is a good point, John, because uh, I use TurboTax myself, and- uh, going through there, it's it's very nice as you go through it that it has like the question marks where it'll explain everything. It it'll ask you questions, and then you can get further explanation. And then even if what's on there's not enough, there's a tax expert on the other end that can help, help you with answer that questions. Too. Yeah. yeah, and that's it's very important. Um, you know, John, a couple of weeks ago, I I was attending. I wasn't able to be on the show because I was attending a uh, seminar. And one of the one of the sessions was about the Biden tax proposal, <laughs> and you said on the air, but I text you that we're changing. We might have to change the uh, name of the radio show too, from managing to be wealthy to struggling to be wealthy. Oh, that was your idea. That was <laughs> a great phrase. Great phrase. <laughs> and I didn't say that out of there aren't people out there that um, they're struggling. I understand that part of it. But the foundation of why we do financial planning is financial independence. 
And that is what managing to be wealthy is about, is achieving that financial independence. And there is a tremendous obstacle that is about to be set upon many Americans. And I hate when they use the term wealthy Americans. Right. Jared, how would you define wealthy? Uh, Wealthy to me is you aren't really worrying about the the day-to-day cost of living. Um, It's more of that financial independence type. But I think even that is relative to where you live in this country. And there are some people that could be making $100,000 and they could be described as that wealthy. And if you're living in a city, $100,000 might not get you as far. So I, I really think it depends on where you're at, which really defines if you're wealthy or not. What's exciting for me is uh, in our staff review meetings, and we went through some clients this Monday, and as we did, we reviewed some of the cases of our wealthy clients, and they were people who were ordinary people. They they were the ones in the millionaire next door. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were making, say, $30,000 a year. I don't know, maybe less. Uh, in some cases, it was a one-income family. And they just started saving money a little at a time over a period of time. And they ended up currently with portfolios of 2 and $3 million. Mm-hmm. That's pretty exciting. It is very exciting. And it's through hard work, yep. right? It's through hard work. It's through sacrifice. If, if you take the shortcut in life and just be frivolous with your money, you're never going to achieve that financial independence without maybe luck hitting the lottery, right? So it takes a lot of sacrifice and work. And that's what bothers me is when you hear the talking points about, oh, the wealthy, somebody said to me, well, the wealthy can afford it. And I'm like, Who's, who are you to judge what they can and cannot afford or how they got there? And even what I'm even more concerned about is now the taxation of inheritance wealth, money that's already been taxed once. We've talked about about this on earlier shows, but money that's already been through the tax cycle is now going to get potentially taxed again at a 50%, almost 50% rate. Yep. That's frightening. And it's going to, they're, they're going to do away with the step up in basis. Mm-hmm. So that takes that up again. Yeah. It's like ordinary income tax. Yeah. And so your 50% is not, they just throw in the state and the city and other taxes. Easy. It is. It is. And and that's where when I, I threw, threw the term out struggling to be wealthy, it's like now that you have the wealth, you've got to fight to keep it. Yep. And and it's through now it is becoming a political process of um, the tax proposal that's on the table. And I'm, I'm just I'm just concerned because there are ways to get around it. Right. But it is passing the wealth to the next generation. But is that premature? No. So planning is the key. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about this as we open up the next segment um, on what you can do uh, for that keeping your your wealth. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio six ten WTVN. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan, certified financial planner. Joining me t- on today's show is alumni certified financial planner, John Sestina, and future financial certified financial planner, Jared Locke. We talked a little bit about inflation and taxes in the prior segments. Uh, but first, if you'd like to learn a little bit more about Managing to be Wealthy and John E. Sestina and company, you can contact us uh, at 614-326-3077 or vis- visit us on the web at managingtobewealthy.com. A lot of information there on how we can be contacted. So going back to tax proposals and inflation, 
all of these things. Um, I'm just concerned now people aren't thinking about how this will impact their current financial plan. So what areas of your financial plan should you be reviewing in light of the inflationary environment and in light of these potential tax law changes? John, I'll let you lead. Let me lead. Yeah, let take the, the rest guy. of the show. Let okay, the guy. <laughs> uh, I Really, I think it's it starts with living expenses, knowing how much you're spending, and then tracking that month to month if the cost of things continues to go up. I, I really think it's important to know what your cash flow is, what is excess, if you're in the red. Uh, and I, I think that's where it starts because once you know how much you're spending, that leads into how much you can save, uh, and that, that that's what's really going to drive your financial plan. John? Well, the cash flow is true, but as we're going into inflationary times, pay, remember, will follow slowly. So inflation occurs, then the pay increases. So you're behind the eight ball, so to speak. So you're right. Look at your cash flow and recognize you're probably going to be in a negative for the first time ever, as many people found themselves in the 70s and early 80s. So recognize cash flow. Then the next thing is look at the new proposal and see whether or not you're going to be able to retain some of the deductions you're now taking, or will you gain some deductions? So for example, uh, people came along and the law changed and your home mortgage was only limited to some smaller amount of money. Mm -hmm. Well, fortunately I didn't have a mortgage, so I didn't worry so much about that. But now as the new, new things take place, what else is gonna happen? Well, maybe your credit card interest will be deductible. There was a time when that was so. And we're gonna have the SALT issue, whether the blue states get back their SALT deductions, you know, sales tax. State, state and state local income taxes, yep. And so, so you have to look at what's coming back and look at the advantages while you have them of your various uh, employment plans. Your IRA, which for you and your self-employment, and then your 401k and your 403b, your 407, there's a whole alphabet of these things but you need to take advantage of those as best as you can. And I wanna just correct you a little bit there, Jared. It's not about determining how much you can save after you see the cash flow. The amount you should be putting into all these plans should be determined before you examine your cash flow because those are real costs just as well as the mortgage. So examine all the things that are available to you. Some of you have more deductible items than others and you must take advantage of all the tax things you can. And I will say that your savings have to inflate as well, right? It can't be, oh, I need to save X number of dollars every year. That's no longer stagnant. That needs to inflate as well. <clears throat> the other thing is everyone's maybe happy with their property tax or their um, house value going up. I'm not. I'm not planning on moving. I don't want it to go up. I don't want my taxes to go up. It doesn't do you any good, does it? Absolutely not. I love where I live. I'm not going anywhere. And the last thing I want to do is have an extra 500000 or whatever it might be in property taxes next year because guess what? They're coming for it. Yep. The, the government's going to come after it. So I think that's a, <clears throat> something people need to be weary of is to, yeah, maybe you should not want your property value to, to skyrocket the way they have been. Uh, the other thing is the insurances. Right. You look at your every, how many people review their home and auto insurance, right? Homeowners insurance. Look at one of the things on there is replacement costs. Right. With the spike in uh, lumber and materials and labor. What is the now how much should your house be valued for replacement costs? I'm sure most insurance policies are way understating the replacement value. So now your insurance premiums will go up. 
So we're going to see this. There's going to be a lot of we're seeing a lot of current inflation. And we're going to see a lot of, John, as you said, future inflation with not just wages, but the the reaction to what we're seeing in the current inflationary environment. Right. And you better start training your family members to get a job. So, Stephen, it's time for Nittany to get she, a job. Yeah, that dog needs a job. <laughs> she There's needs no doubt a job. Yes. I mean, so if you're uh, married, you get a jo- you have a job. Your spouse has a job. Uh, you get your kids kids jobs and your parakeet sings in a nightclub to make a few extra bucks and you get all the extra cash you can. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to be looking for ways to make extra cash. Yeah. And uh, your portfolio, right? That's another, that's inflating it too, right? Everything's coming, going <clears throat> up in value. So a million dollar portfolio may have, may have looked fantastic 10 years ago. It might not get you too far these days. So it's all relative when you're talking about inflation, everything's rising. Um, and the prices that we're going to see has to be both on the saving side, on the asset side, but then you're going to see it on the expense side as well. And recognize the portfolio may go down in highly inflationary times. That's a bigger pressure, right? It's much more pressure. So yeah. be aware of that. And you'll be looking. I can remember sitting around and evaluating what to do with, with money for my clients. And we concluded at the time that you were best off only investing in bonds and not being in the stock market. Because there was a period of time, I forget the range right now, where the bonds outperformed the stocks for like a 10-year period of time. Mm-hmm. So to be in the stock market would have been foolish. To be in the bond market would have been great. Right. So it's a whole new – all the things you've learned so far, you can't lock yourself into that learning. It, that, it, you have to be flexible, mm-hmm. which is the name of the game. That's why you have to do planning. Right. And that's why even right now a lot of people, they're not getting much interest on their savings account. That yeah. might that's okay though. If losing to inflation might be better than losing the principle of the money in the if where else do you put it? Right? You said the bond market right now the bond market is pitiful. Terrible. Right? And so do you assume the risk of the stock market? Not for retirees, right? But they're losing that money to inflation. So it's it's a ver- again, very unique times uh when it comes to the inflationary environment. In the last segment we talked a little bit about the tax proposals and the estate plan. You're reviewing your estate plan for estate tax purposes. After all the years of hard work, you might have a baby boomer generation here that have wealth and they're afraid of losing it to taxation if the situation arises where they die. Right. I joke with some people, you're not going to be allowed to die. Right. (laughs) Unfortunately, that is not in our control. uh, But that's really the concern is if you die, your children or heirs will have uh, tax consequences that could be sizable. You have to pay attention to the law as your friend who owned the Yankees. Remember yeah. that when the law changed? Yeah. There was well, a one year, no estate tax, and George Steinbrenner, the savvy businessman he was, died that year. So he passed the New York Yankees billion-dollar uh, entity to his family tax-free. So that's good planning. <laughs> <laughs> he was a shrewd businessman. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. Um, so estate tax is going to be a big deal. And John, but that sort of bothers me on the humanitarian side or sort maybe the, the uh, psychological side of uh, parents giving large sums of money to their kids uh, prematurely it's always out bad. of fear of, of, of taxation. Yeah. Um, because John, what, what's a windfall for a child getting, getting a $500,000 house because the parents are able to transfer that money. That's right. Uh, that could put a lot of negative pressure on the child, even though they're in their 20s and 30s. I mean, I was talking to some people today, and we were discussing the fact, you know, people today are giving these children or kids or uh, young adults 
their cars and houses and other things of major value that they may have struggled to, the parent may have struggled to own, and now the kid just gets it. There's no struggle. So that's another flaw that's coming in the pipeline of knowledge, as it were. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that are entangled here. This financial stuff is pretty complex. Sure is. We'll continue the conversation. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan. In today's final segment, we're going to talk about special needs. Uh, There are many family members or people who have family members with special needs. There's a lot of considerations that are out there. And what we'd like to do is just give some ideas or suggestions on how to build a financial plan if you are um, have a family member with special needs. So, John, what would you say is maybe a number one or number two thing that you would advise somebody who has a family member with special needs considerations? Uh, well, the first thing, of course, is to... Uh... This sounds silly, but admit it. Okay. And then once you have that, then you, if you want to expand all this, you might want to set up a trust, mm-hmm. right? And that trust will be a specialty trust that you can fund. There are very special rules, so you'll need an attorney to help you. But that's probably the best thing to do. Okay. Jared? Yeah, I think we, we've talked about having a team put together. Um, so just having uh, doctors in place that are able to kind of help you along with that. As John mentioned, the attorney, when it comes to your insurances, that take that into consideration. Um, just having people around you that are really going to look out for you in, in whatever situation that may occur. Right. And you have to, as you said, you have to be transparent about it too and let your accountant know, let your financial planner know, let your doctors know and, and other advisors, the attorney of the situation you're in, because there may be programs out there to help benefit that person with who has the special needs uh the social security administration a lot of people don't know the ssdi program for disability it's just not centered around the if if i use the word disability people have a vision of what disabled is and it's it's so much bigger than just what people may think the conventional term means so look at what the social security administration can provide and John, what you what you mentioned with the special needs trust is you're able to then supplement a savings program that that will not affect the Social Security disability income scenario. So there's a lot of tools out there for families that are that have a special needs member in their family. So that's a very important thing. There's going to be need. There's going to be a need for family discussion. The children and the parents. And as there's an inheritance, there has, may have to be a family meeting, and it's discussed what they're going to do and why, and so that there's no shocks upon death. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's the other side of it, right? Trustees, um, you're going to need somebody who, who will take care of the it's, the parents will do their parental job, right. as they always do. But then if they're siblings or cousins or relatives, people who are going to assume the responsibilities of caring for another person or looking over just making watching out for their benefit because uh, there's different degrees of special needs, but their roles are going to be very important in the, the person's life. Amen. Jared, what are some of the other things that uh, for people to consider? 
Uh, so an, another thing to consider is that it's it's not wrong really if you're to ask for financial assistance um, if you need it, uh, whether it's from one of those members of your team. Uh, again, we've said it a couple times, but let people know about it and and with the extra financial costs that might come with that, there might be those uh, financial programs along with any uh, grants or or support opportunities that could be available to you. Right, and that's where uh, there's special needs attorneys that are out there and they have access to all those uh, programs, a good special needs attorney. One of the other thing is understand what the true costs are, uh, medical expenses. What are the medical costs? What are the caring uh, needs of that individual financially? So you understand what is the minimum cost at hand and it may require uh, the family to purchase life insurance on the parents. Right. There are policies out there called second to die policies where you're insuring both lives. It is uh, a longer, but it would, the payout would be there for the caring of the person with the special needs situation. John, have, what uh, any other considerations that are out there? Oh, that's a, you know, so many cases over the years are going through my mind and there's so many possibilities that could occur. You have someone with special needs and down the road, they may be able to take care of themselves to some minimal extent or better uh, better extent. And so you have to consider that a good counselor who deals in this area is very, very helpful. It's like Bobby with her breast cancer. Then she would go to the support groups and she would learn a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Of course, she went to the webinars and seminars and everything else. But you need to be in touch with the whole community that can feed you information, not just money, not just that kind of sources, but help on how to manage the overall family situation. It is amazing because there is a lot of support groups mm-hmm. for, for many, many different scenarios. So that's a that's a really good point. There's um, people who are trying to save for college are aware of the 529 plans. Uh, Jared, there's something else out there for people who have children with special needs. Mm-hmm. What yeah. is that program? Uh, it's called the 529ABLE or 529A account. And what it does, it really just allows you to save money um, that can then be used for uh, qualified expenses that your special needs child might have. Uh, and what's great about this is up to a certain amount, uh, this doesn't affect in the future any Social Security disability benefits that they would also receive. Right, because the Social Security or Medicaid benefits always look at your income, they look at your assets, and there are, as we said, trusts. There's the 529 ABLE account that would not uh, prohibit the, the individual person uh, to receive the Social Security disability benefit. So it's an added um, security blanket for financial assistance uh, for that person's life. Um, again, there, there are so many things to consider. Uh, a good attorney, good advisors. There's You could even look at health savings account, flexible spending accounts if for the parents who are looking to care, uh, understand the medical costs that you're dealing with. Understand that those medical expenses could be deductible on your uh, tax return, even for just like you said, counseling and treatments. If they're come, if they come with a cost, those costs could be deemed as a medical expense on the parent's tax return. So that's something to definitely not overlook or or not consider. Yeah, I have someone who's a specialist in the area. When when Bobby had her breast cancer, we didn't need special needs and so forth. But when she was getting her chemo, it was so severe that. Uh, she had to take these shots after each chemo treatment. And they were so powerful that after a day or two, she had to have another shot to counter what was going on to her bone marrow. 
And those shots cost $5,000 each. And we had to pay that out of pocket because the insurance company didn't want to pay it. So time goes by, and I find an expert. He knew a little bit about it, and he was able to negotiate. And so we were refunded half the money. That's a big deal. So having knowledgeable people, and there are many of them, so don't be shy about this. Stuff. Right. And, and Jared, you mentioned earlier, right, don't don't be a, to ask for assistance, even with the insurance companies, let them know the situation or the, the medical professional regardless. But the special needs is a, a niche area, a niche area, niche um, that many advisors who are very familiar can help assist people who are under those circumstances. And even with the attorneys, there's a lot of complimentary consultations and they'll tell you straight up at this point, you, you have a situation where it would be beneficial. So don't um, neglect it or, or disregard it. Everyone's got a unique scenario. Don't jump on the ones that come on the internet. You know, the emails. Right. Come now, free seminar, uh, be scary. Right, right. <laughs> and, and that's a good thing is the Columbus Bar Association. Go to the local bar association. Uh, they have a referral program where they can tell you, you'll see the experience of that individual in their areas of expertise. Um, and there's many different out there when it comes to disability, workers' compensation. Um, I'm not I'm trying to avoid, like you said, the, the TV advertisements, but through the Bar Association, that is out there. This is a huge area. Yeah, very. You got to get the right right people behind you. So, all right. Well, we're wrapping up today's show. We want to thank all the listeners out there. We thank you for tuning in and listening to Managing To Be, to be Wealthy. We hope to hear uh, listen. Talk to you next week. Uh, thank you. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.